We're at Doc Train West 2008. I'm talking with Rahel Bailey, who is a content management specialist. So Rahel, tell me a little bit about why some content management projects totally fail. Well, there are a number of reasons. And uh, our local content management uh, chapter had put together a, a program at one point, and we came up with a baker's dozen of reasons why content management projects fail. And I'd say that the number one reason is that a lot of them tend to be tools focused. So I often use vehicles as a metaphor for content management because content management is just that it's a vehicle to move content around in a very complex way so, you know if you think about a like a conveyor belt for your content so if you were going to buy a, a vehicle what would you do you would say um, I'm gonna go talk to my spouse or my family or my employer and I'm gonna find out what the vehicle needs to do and I'm going to figure out all the requirements that it needs to fulfill. And then I'm going to go see what's on the market that will fulfill those requirements. And then I will um, shop for the tool. In content management projects, it's often the other way around. IT heard about something, they bought it, and then they say, here, go make it do the job. So if, if I use that vehicle uh, analogy, if I happen to hear about a great helicopter and then I say, here, go make it do the job. And you say, well, I need to drive the kids to soccer practice. And I say, well, but I bought you a helicopter, make it work. And you go, well, I don't have a pilot. I don't have a launch pad. I don't have a, a, a staff. I don't have an aviation certificate to be able to fly this thing. I don't have, you know, you can, you can see where this is going. The other flip side of it is um, where, where people are given SharePoint and then asked to go and do technical documentation with it, which is basically impossible to do. And it's like, have you ever seen the reality show John and Kate Plus Eight? It's, a, it's about this family that had a set of twins and then they had six tuplets. So now they have eight children all under the age of five. And um, there's a, a show where they go to Disneyland or Disney World for four days, and they pack their van with six cars, eight car seats in it, and then they put a U-Haul behind it, and that's how they take a four-day trip. So if you were to, and that's kind of like, you know, the robustness of the system you would need to do technical documentation. So your IT department takes SharePoint, which is like a bicycle, and they go, ah, here's a bicycle. It's great. You, um, great carbon offsets, save the environment, save on gas. You can get three bicycles in the space of one car lane and you don't need a garage for it. Go. And you go, uh, but it won't work. Make it work. That's what we're buying. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's bound to fail when that happens. So tools, if you have a tools focused project, quite often it fails because you can't make it work and you don't have the resources to make it work and you don't know how to make it work and nobody in your organization knows how to make it work and so it kind of gets shelves and shelved you can't get the right tools and then everyone just goes back to doing what they were doing and it gets forgotten um well let me ask a follow-up question on the tools sure so I've, I've sensed whenever I talk to Scott Abel about tools or other people about tools, they're very, uh, they don't want to get into the specifics of any tool. They always want to look at 
purpose and things like that. But sometimes you can't really know a tool very well until you marry it, until you're like using it for a project and then you know whether it's good or bad. So, so can you find out enough information about tools just from reading about them? Yeah. No, there's, there's someone who says you can use a hammer to build a house or you can use a hammer to kill someone. And, um, you know, content management isn't about tools. Content management is a field. And I liken content management to, to the medical profession. So when you say, well, what tools shall I use? Well, what do you want to do? Are you a podiatrist or a psychiatrist? Are you doing plastic surgery or open heart surgery? So depending on the tools you want is going to depend on, you know, do you need an x-ray machine or do you need something to do, you know, a, a saw to open up a brain or do you need an MRI machine to do whatever? So tools... If you are a professional in the field, you're going to know a lot about the tools and you're going to know a lot about the jargon used to describe the tools and describe the features and describe what the features do and how they do it and how the features, it's not so much about the features, but how they meet the requirements and the processes within your organization because it has to match up. So if you've done your homework, then you need a professional to do it. If you're trying to do it yourself, it's a little bit like do-it-yourself surgery. And I've heard about people who, you know, out in the woods, they've got to give themselves an amputation. And there are organizations that have done it. Um, usually it's a lot more effective in the end if you just go to a doctor and have a doctor help you out, <laughs> you know, or maybe even do it for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, going back to my vehicle analogy, you can take a bicycle and make it into a minivan, but usually it's a lot cheaper to go down to the car dealership and just buy a minivan because <laughs> in the end, um, it, it, it's just better to let the professionals build the minivan for you and then you go down and you say, this is exactly what I need it to do. I need it to be able to fit six car seats. I need it to be able to put... 18 bags of groceries in the back, I need it to fit the family dog, and it has to have um, a luggage rack on the top and a bicycle rack on the back and be able to, you know, fit inside of our garage. And then when you find the one that does all of that, then you buy it. So what happens when, a lot of times in an organization, the people who buy the tools are the, the executives, and technical communicators and other people are kind of lower level or the company already spent a million dollars implementing SharePoint and now they're not gonna buy a new tool. What do you do then when you're stuck with a bad tool? How do you, how do you find success? <laughs> well, you know, that's a tough one. Um, a lot of times, um, those are the projects that do fail. And um, you know, I've been to content management conferences where the, the CTOs and CIOs are sitting in the room and the um, analysts who are on the panel will uh, say who is here to replace a content management system and 50% of the hands in the room go up. 
And why are they replacing it? Because they're not getting the results that they want. And they realize that they have to do something because they're leaking money. So really, uh, as technical communicators, we are taught to do audience analysis. And we're usually doing audience analysis at a peer level or at a consumer level or at a technical level. But we don't often do audience analysis at upwards to the CEO level or the CIO level, the C level executives. And that's what we have to learn to do to make the case. Because if we learn to talk their language, <clears throat> we can make the case. Because we can say, what is the company's drive for the year? The company's drive might be, I want, uh, our company wants to expand in the European market into uh, five more countries this quarter and into 12 countries overall this year, which means 12 more languages that they want to uh, translate into. And that means a lot of um, translation management. So how are they going to manage that? What are your costs right now to manage that? Um, how can doing content management uh, save them money by making your processes more efficient? Then you kind of work backwards from there. And, and by showing them how having the right tools can let you spend more time on the more important things by delegating the more rote tasks and the, the management, uh, the administrative things to the tools, and helping them meet their goal of getting into 12 more countries within the timeline that they want, and showing them how, if you don't have those tools, that you can't really help them meet their goal. And maybe there's, they have some financial incentive tied to it. Sometimes they're bonuses, or sometimes there's some you know, profit sharing, or whatever it is that will make the company look good. And you can show how you can be a part of that. They're going to take you more seriously. So you have to look at all those factors that will help them um, realize their goals and then help you get on board their train rather than having them get on board your train. And that's too much of what we do is to say, we have this problem. We want you to get on board our train, which is, you know, we want to have better segues between our paragraphs. They don't care about that. They care about making more money by furthering whatever marketing plan they have or whatever it is. What's another reason why some projects sometimes fail apart from the tools problem? Well, um, a couple of other things that um, people don't take into account um, at a more operational level, um, migrating content. <clears throat> On a project, there's usually lots of content that needs to be put into the content management system, and uh, people always underestimate how much effort it takes to restructure the content and bring it in. And uh, vendors are really good at saying, oh, don't worry, we'll just write a script and it'll convert all your content. Well, that works if your content is already tightly structured and already in the structure it needs to be when it comes into the content management system. But I'll bet you dollars to donuts that it's not in that <laughs> format 
um, already. You know, it, it, it's probably more loosely written, and maybe um, when it's unstructured, it's um, in a format that's um, not convertible, not easily convertible. Maybe, maybe it's in Word, and it, you know, the people that wrote it didn't use style sheets, for example. So maybe everything is just paragraph. So when your conversion script goes through, it can't pick up any styles to convert. So that's one example. Um, another piece of it is um, people in politics. If you get um, some tug of war over the budget, if you get tug of war over who owns the content, if you get tug of war over some turf wars um, and your executive isn't on board, all this comes under governance. So it's the content governance, it's the people governance, it's the change management. Some people just don't like change. And they just dig in their heels and they say, sorry, I'm not going there. I'm retiring in a few years. Don't bother me with this newfangled content management stuff. And um, you can have some problems on your hand getting the, the project going. So you need to have a plan in place. So you know, on a bigger level, it's do you have a roadmap? And do you have a plan? And are all the, all the stages on the plan? Are all the pieces on the plan? Um, and are you sticking to the plan? Do you have enough people to help you implement the plan? And are all the stakeholders in your company on the plan? So when that doesn't happen, and it's just kind of ad hoc and off the side of your plate, and you're supposed to do this, um, <laughs> the other thing is, just go read a book and figure out how to do it and put it into place. And so when, you're, when you've been given that mandate to go read a book, figure it out, and you're supposed to do that in your copious spare time and hope that you get all the pieces right and manage everything and govern everything and so on, um, then you're probably doomed to failure. Just don't even start in the, beginning, in, in the first place. And uh, there are a number of people that... Uh, have called me in, asked me to come in, um, talked with me, and then had called me back and said, well, my boss, and generally uh, an engineer or a software developer, who often do learn their tools through reading a book, has told me to go and read a book and figure it out on my own. And I bump into them at a conference three years later, and they still haven't put anything in, and they're still struggling with the same old processes because um, they haven't been able to do it on their own. So... You know, when you're talking about people and politics and changing the high-level management's view and attitude and things, it almost seems insurmountable for somebody who's <clears throat> like a lowly technical writer or, you know, somebody who's not got... You, you have to be able to move entire departments and change culture. And this is something that we've seen in other areas with wikis where people are resistant and it's a cultural thing more than anything else. Um, well, how does one little person change the world? <laughs> well, I, th I don't think one little person changes the world. I think one little person can make a huge difference. And I, I, I think I'm struggling with this a bit because as, as tech writers, we do tend to be lone wolves. And we think that we have to do it by ourselves. And if we, if we, it's tempting to get stuck in that mind space. And if we get stuck in that mind space 
And I, I, I call that Mindspace the download and install mentality. So as long as it's something you can just download and install and do on your own, then you're set to go because you don't have to ask anyone for help. You don't have to get anyone on board. You don't have to collaborate with anyone and you can just do it and get on with it. And content management isn't that. It is generally a much bigger situation. It's a much bigger corporate problem usually. And it is something that you have to learn to think like an executive, act like an executive and, um, and have political dealings with. One of the things I always say is find out what the metrics are. Keep metrics and find out how much money you're wasting and how much money you will save with this. And so you have to figure out what the total cost of ownership will be. How do you do that? Go talk to the bean counters. It's never occurred to a lot of people to even involve the bean counters. And that's a whole different way of thinking, to go and say, how much does it cost us to do this? And how much would we save if we did it that way? And some of these people go like, who are you? Like, how, how come I didn't know you existed in the, in the organization before? And, and where do you come from anyways? And so it, it's kind of raising your profile and thinking of working in a very different way. And some people find it very hard to make that, that shift because we're so used to having to do things with, and you know, that kind of um, uh, popsicle sticks and duct tape, right? You know, that's, that's a lot of the way we do our jobs is, is that way and, and to go outside. And uh, what often starts off as a departmental problem, you know, we're going to fix our tech docs, ends up being an enterprise problem because it's not just a department's problem. The tech docs, uh, are also used, it's content that's also used, maybe not all the content, but pieces of content are used by customer support, maybe by engineering or it comes from engineering. Maybe it's used in a catalog. Maybe there's stuff that comes from the ERP system. And so you think of, okay, they will output it to in some manual way and then we will enter it and then it'll go into our, 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 our content. But it, there are ways to automate all these processes. So if your company is a big Oracle shop and then you're gonna bring in this little system that doesn't talk to all these Oracle systems or you bring in something that's SQL and they're all doing Oracle, then you're going to be out of lockstep with them. And if you bring in a system that kind of dovetails with theirs, or maybe they're bringing in a system that is so big that it has a module already that does content management, and you can just you know, buy that extra module and, and have it customized and so on, then you're seen as being a part of the bigger team. And there's a way to get that content to converge and integrate with all the rest of the enterprise's content, or maybe beyond the organization. So there's that whole convergence and integration thing that goes on now. So it's not, um, you know, we always talk about getting out of the silo. Like, why do you want content management to get out of the silo? So why would you just have a little bit bigger silo? So now it's like, it's not just um, having like a departmental silo, you might just have an organizational silo. So what happens when you have a whole bunch of um, maybe service reps on the road and you've got um, 
maybe they don't even work for your company. They work for some organization that services all your equipment. And you just want to have them that when they log in with their laptops, it downloads all the, the updates automatically. So every night when they go to their hotel room, it just downloads all the updates and it gives them some sort of an alert. And the next time they go to fix something, it just has the new procedures there. So how would that happen? Because they're outside the organization. So now you can't have this organizational silo, this enterprise silo. You want something where you can send um, organization outside or this data outside the organization. So now you're thinking, oh, this is a much bigger problem. You, so you can't think of it as a tech docs problem. It's, it's an enterprise-wide problem. And you're, you're going to be solving it and helping the organization, not just your department. And so when you start thinking big picture that way, it gets exciting. So if you're intimidated by it, then you're thinking as like, how can I fix my problem? But if you're energized by it, then you can um, get your, your peer managers and the next level up and the other stakeholders in the company energized by it. But then it becomes a, a much different process because it's not just you against the world. It's you and your other organizational um, evangelists kind of going out and saying, hey, let's make some magic happen here. You know, let, let, let's um, get some efficiencies going and let's put our company on the map to um, get this content flowing the way it should be to give, get our company a competitive advantage. That's really an interesting answer just because it, it goes along so well with some of this uh, advice others have been giving me on, on different things. Um, <clears throat> I was talking to Nas and some others who say that tech writers are no longer just the cubicle uh, writers, right? They, they're taking on a much larger role. They, as you say, they're, they're working with stakeholders and they're influencing change to business executives. And uh, a lot of people... When they, th when they think of the word tech writer, they think of somebody who's just uh, typing away at some document in their cube all day and doesn't interact with anybody. And that, that notion is totally changing with, with uh, content management, with Web 2.0. So just one last question, Rahel. Um, <clears throat> so you said, you said at the beginning, before we started, that you're kind of an introvert, yet this, is t this seems to be a field where you have to go out and talk to other people and influence other people in a very almost extroverted way. So what is it about content management that um, drives you, that energizes you? <laughs> well, introvert just means that um, after you've been on all day that um, you need to go off by yourself to uh, recharge your batteries rather than go out with your buddies to recharge your batteries, yeah. <laughs> which is definitely me. Um, now, I've always thought... Uh, about efficiencies. I've always hated that kind of rote stuff that, um, you know, having to write things down and then go check things, um, check the list to see if you've done things. I'd rather just have technology take care of the, what I call the stupid work for me and spend my time doing the thinking stuff. So even before I knew what a content management system was, I had gone to the, um, the engineer, the software developer that ran the professional services department where I worked and said, 
you know, I know that we fax stuff back and forth between the other office in the, the U.S. And, and here in Vancouver. But now that we're off opening this office in Bangalore, we can't do that anymore. So why don't we build this little thing on the web? And you know what? It, we'll get rid of all the filing because we'll just do all the stuff on the web and it'll do all this other stuff for us automatically. And here are the benefits for you because I built in these like little reporting things. I had gone off and read a book on databases and here's how I think we should design the database. <laughs> and he said, oh, you want me to build you a little content management system? I said, is that what it's called? Cool. Because all I thought about was it's going to A, get rid of my filing <laughs> and get rid of all my, um, all these little administrative things that I spent about 20% 20, 20 of my time doing. And I hated doing because it was like mind numbing detailed work. And it gave him automatic reporting and I built this little web interface for it and so on. And then I went off to have a hip replacement and I came back and he had built it. And he said, oh, come here, come here, come here, look what I built. And he had built this whole suite of tools and mine was just one of them. And I was really jazzed by it. And I thought, this is so cool. You know, what else can we do? This is, this is a lot of fun. So the, anything that drives efficiency and um, just does that kind of... Um, now takes away the and and it uh, takes away the the dumb work and enhances the um, well I want to say business processes but that doesn't really do it justice that um, drives the user experience that can really service something better like I'm waiting for the day that when I move like I've, I've moved my office a couple of times now and each time I have to go to the post office and put in a moving notice and then for the next year it's this like painful thing every time mail comes in and I have to you know change all my addresses and so on I just want to be able to change in one place and then hit send and it lets everybody know now I know we have a certain amount of that going on with um, things like Plaxo and LinkedIn and so on but I want someone to tell you know the, the the phone company and the hydro company and all my my accounts anywhere where I have an account that I've moved. So you know when, when's somebody going to invent that? You know the, these are the kinds of things that we should be able to do with technology, and um, that we're, we're very close. You know there are lots of things that we can do now with technology, and it's all just converging, uh, integrating content together, mashing it up, and spitting it out again. So those are the kinds of things that I think are really exciting. Well, thanks, Rahel, for talking to me today. I I My think pleasure. that uh, I if people want to find out more about you, more read more information contact you do you have a website people can go to i do it's uh, intentionaldesign.ca and uh, we had put on a um, a conference uh, content convergence and integration this year in march and we're going to be uh, repeating it in september 2009 because um i've been urged to do that by a number of people they said it's really important f that people start understanding this stuff and the possibilities and so um basically here at doc train uh, scott abel twisted my arm and said you've got to be doing this and we've got to do it next year and we've got to set up a date right now so we decided on september 2009 to talk about all these things all right. Thanks, Rahel. Thank you.